Welcome to Beyond the Walls with Jeremy Thomas. In this series, we are looking at the two letters to the Thessalonian church. This episode is just a taste from the full lesson. It is a standalone teaching meant as special encouragement for you today. So enjoy this short teaching. We hope you come back tomorrow for the full lesson. This apocalypse, right? The second coming. Um, the mighty angels of fire, what are they? Well, they're the instruments of his judgments in this period of time leading up to the second coming, right? And the purpose of his unveiling is to deal out retribution, verse 8, to deal out retribution. This is, again, the same concept of restitution, restitutionary justice. To those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So let's talk about these two phrases. Those who do not know God. Now, first of all, Romans 1 says that all people know God. So why does this verse say that there are people who do not know God? Well, because there's two types of knowledge. There's actually more than that, but there's uh, several different types of knowledge. Here's a type of knowledge that's used here. They do not know God relationally. But they do know God cognitively. And and Romans 1 is talking about cognitive knowledge. All people come to know God cognitively as they look at creation. This is what Paul is saying in Romans 1. It says, so that no no man has an excuse. Everybody comes to know God as they look at the creation around them because his his, his eternality and divine nature are clearly seen through what has been made, so no man has an excuse, right? So everybody does come to know God cognitively, but not all people know God relationally because the only way to know God relationally is through what? Faith. You have to have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So he's speaking here uh, relationally. Okay, Retribution to those who do not know God relationally and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. Okay, What does this mean, obey the gospel? Well, let's turn over, just hold your place and look at John 3.36. I want to show you that what obey means is to obey the command to believe the gospel. John 3.36. A lot of people say, well, see, but you've got to obey, you've got to do works. That's not what this is talking about. John 3.36 makes very clear that can't possibly be what this is talking about. John 3.36. He who what? In the Son has eternal life? He who believes. Okay? But he who does not, what? Obey the Son will not see life. Which would be a synonym for what? Believe. Okay? But the wrath of God abides on him. Now, as you say, well, that doesn't convince me entirely. Okay? Go to Acts 6, 7. The obedience is obedience to the command to believe. And I'll, I've got this reference and one more just to show you this. Acts chapter 6, verse 7, one of my favorite statements in the Word of, Word of God, actually. The first growth statement in Acts, key word growth. Acts 6, 7, the Word of God kept on spreading, and the number of the disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests, these were Sadducees, were becoming what? Obedient to the faith. That is, they were obeying the command to have faith. Now go to Acts 16.31. Paul at Philippi, he's in prison, unjustly, earthquake, Philippian jailer, right? They don't escape. 
the jailer awoke. He sees what's going on. He's about to kill himself. In verse, he says, no, wait, wait, we're all here. Nobody's escaped. In verse 30, after he brought them out, he said, sirs, Paul and Silas, what must I do to be saved? They said, believe. See, that's a command. It's an imperative in the Greek. It's a command. Believe in the Lord Jesus, you'll be saved. That's the obedience of faith. You're obeying the command to believe the gospel. Okay? There's no such thing as works being involved here, just because it says obey. The Scriptures teach in Romans 11.6, if it's on the basis of works, then grace is no longer grace. Romans 11.6. And Romans 4.16 says, and it is by faith, in order that is in an accordance, it is in accordance with grace. See, faith is the only thing that's consistent with grace. Works are not. Because it says, if it's on the basis of works, grace is no longer grace. They don't go together. Romans 11.6. Romans 4.16, faith is in accordance with grace. That works. So when someone believes the gospel, the command to believe the gospel, they know God relationally. They have, in that sense, obeyed the gospel. And they are saved. Now, verse 9, at that... At the coming, at the second coming, it says, These will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and away from the glory of His power. So let's talk about this. This is talking about the second coming, right? When He comes, the apocalypse. But these are going to pay a specific penalty. That is the penalty of eternal destruction. Now this is true for Jews. And this is true for Gentiles. When the Lord Jesus Christ comes back at the second coming, anyone who is not a believer will ultimately go to eternal destruction. Okay? Now, if Paul were to detail it out, he'd say, well, okay, on that day, when the Lord Jesus Christ comes, there's going to be a judgment for Jews, there's going to be a judgment for Gentiles. The Jews who are unbelievers and the Gentiles who are unbelievers are going to be sent to Hades. Hades is like a holding place, so to speak, during the thousand years, until after the thousand years, when all unbelievers will stand at the great white throne. And at the great white throne judgment, Revelation 20, 11 through 15, they will then be cast in the lake of fire, where they will go to eternal destruction. So this would look all the way to that time, that ultimately they will be under eternal destruction. Okay. Um, now the words eternal destruction, what does this mean? Um, well, it means eternal separation from God. Notice verse 9, it says, away from the presence. So it's talking about a separation, and it's eternal separation. This is consistent with other passages that describe the unbeliever's final destiny as being everlasting. Okay? It is not consistent with the doctrine that's called annihilation. Annihilation is the idea that unbelievers will not in, you know, undergo judgment eternally, but only a temporal judgment, and then they will be erased from existence. Someone who believed that uh, was like John Stott believed that. He was an annihilationist, um, and, there, and there are others. Uh, I don't spend my time you know, reading a lot of that, but uh, Daniel 12.2 is an example. I'll just turn there real quick and read it. It's not a long verse, so... Daniel 12, verse 2. Many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground will awake, these to everlasting life, 
but the others to disgrace and everlasting contempt. So some to everlasting life, others to everlasting contempt. So they're both eternal. That's the point. Right? John 5, 28 and 29, one for the New Testament, which says the same thing. John 5, 28 and 29. Do not marvel at this, an hour is coming in which all who are in the tombs will hear his voice. Who? How many? Some or all? All. And they will come forth. Those who did the good unto to a resurrection of life, which the good is to believe, and those who did the evil, that is to unbelieve, to a resurrection of judgment. So it's the same. Both are eternal and go on forever. Um, it's one of the most difficult thoughts in the Bible, right? People don't like to think about it, that unbelievers will suffer eternal torment. I mean, like eternal. <laughs> That's, we can't comprehend that. Uh, you know, we sing Amazing Grace when we've been there 10,000 years, you know, I mean, I think about billions and billions of years, you know, I mean. <laughs> uh, the thing is, and the only way to come to grips with this, I think, is to realize that everyone knows God perfectly, cognitively. They totally know Him. I mean, like, 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 like the Bible is not messing around when it says all people know God cognitively, like in Romans 1.18. It's not messing around when it says He is clearly seen, katarita in the Greek. Clearly seen. I remember when um, I was in about sixth grade, and it was, my parents figured out that I couldn't see very good. And so they took me to Texas State Optical in our little downtown square. And I remember after putting on contacts and walking out into that square, seeing blue like I'd never seen blue, seeing green like I'd never seen green, seeing our town fountain, you know, <laughs> sitting in the square like I'd never seen it before. I can still see it today because it was so clear. And that is how clear every unbeliever sees God. You say, well, I don't understand then. Why don't they admit it? <laughs> because they're sinners. And they are just like Adam and Eve in the garden, hiding. They're hiding from God. Thank you for listening to this lesson from the Epistles to the Thessalonians. Jeremy has a companion book to this study available on Amazon for purchase. You can find the link in the description below. You can also find out more information on Jeremy's website, beyondthewalls-ministry.org. We thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you found this lesson useful, informative, and encouraging. Because our desire here at Beyond the Walls is for you to grow in your faith, your love of God, and therefore to have a more joyful, abiding life in Christ.